Hello and welcome to Crosstalk. I'm Wes McAdams from Baker Heights Church of Christ. Thanks for joining us today. I know that many of us would love to know how to get more out of our Bible studies. Our guest today will show us how to do just that. We'll be right back with today's special guest. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Baker Heights is a friendly, loving, growing, and biblical congregation. If you're in the Abilene area, please come visit us now. Back to the show. The Bible is a big book. Actually, it's really 66 books put together. There's a ton of information in the Bible, and I'll admit it, it can be pretty overwhelming if someone just puts it in your hand and says, here, read this. Our guest today is going to give us a few tips on how to take our Bible studies to the next level. He's one of the deacons at Baker Heights. He's a great friend, a phenomenal student of God's Word, and a man of God. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you, Wes. It's exciting to be here. Wonderful. Well, I'm really excited for you to share your ideas and your thoughts about Bible study with people because you do take Bible study very seriously. And I think that that's something that a lot of people might not even understand that they should do is take Bible study seriously. So first, the first question I'd have is, what is Bible study and how is that different than just reading your Bible? You know, that's a really important distinction that I think we need to make because as church leaders, we're always encouraging people to read their Bible. We're always telling people to read their Bible daily. We encourage them to participate in daily Bible programs or try and read through the Bible uh, over the course of a year. The misunderstanding that we have is in thinking that regular or daily Bible reading will accomplish everything that we need. And very often when we use that approach, we base our entire understanding of God's Word by reading a passage of Scripture and just waiting to see what jumps out at us. We're waiting for those moments of sudden inspiration. And the reason that doesn't work, the reason we can't rely on those moments of sudden inspiration is because that's usually governed by our emotions. It's usually governed by our particular circumstances that we're dealing with in life. And so we leave an awful lot on the table. We, we miss a great opportunity for spiritual growth if that's the only way we approach God's Word. Deliberate Bible study is engaging the Word. It's asking questions. It's seeking answers. Uh, you know, daily Bible reading is always going to be a part of a successful Bible study program, but we need to have a more direct mindset about how we're going to the Word. Right. You know, you, you've kind of touched this on this already, but why is that important that Christians study the Bible? I mean, th there's lots of devotional books out there. We, we go to, to worship, we hear sermons, we hear people teach classes. So why is it not enough to just listen to sermons or read a devotional book? Why is it important that I, as an individual Christian or any Christian, actually open up the book and learn how to study the Bible correctly? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. We have so many ways to learn about God, to learn about the Bible available to us. Like you said, we have sermons. Uh, you know, you're going to hear those multiple times a week. We have Bible classes we participate in. There's books we can read, videos we can watch, podcasts we can listen to, TV shows that we can watch. There's so many things available to us, and they're usually presented by people who are very knowledgeable about the Word, very passionate about it, and usually skilled in teaching. And so it's a fair question to ask, why do I need to bring my meager abilities to the table in this regard? The important thing that we have to remember is that our own salvation is our responsibility. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells the, the Christians at Philippi to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He makes it absolutely clear that being right with God is your individual responsibility. And in truth, you can't have anybody do that hard work for you. 
And why would you want to? Why would you want to put your salvation into somebody else's hands? You know, there's a tremendous amount of disagreement about the meaning and application of God's Word in our lives. And it doesn't always come from an honest analysis of the Word. Uh, some incorrect teachings come from sincere mistakes. And some come from a desire to replace God's will with the will of man. And so we study God's Word for our own protection. If we learn the tools and best practices of Bible study, we gain so much spiritually. We, we gain the ability to learn to know good interpretation from bad so that we can't be deceived by people. We learn how to ask the right questions uh, from the scripture. And we gain a confidence in our faith that can only come from having a, an accurate understanding of God's word. Right, you know, you, you, you've used words like understanding and interpretation. And as we look at God's word, as we look at the Bible, we also look around at our religious world today. And so many people say, well, we, we use the Bible. You know, everything we believe comes from the Bible, but it differs so much. You know, one person might have this understanding or this interpretation, but there really is only one right way to understand a certain passage, right? I mean, when you, you look at a passage, there's, there's really, it means one thing, and we need to dig into it and figure out what does this mean. So what are some things that we can do to put into place to make sure that we get the right understanding out of it, that we make the right applications, that we make the right interpretations? How can people uh, put things in their life so that they get the right understanding from God's Word? You know, you're absolutely right. We're all guilty uh, from time to time of bringing our own personal baggage into a Bible study. Uh, we're all guilty of trying to make the understanding and the meaning that we find in the scripture be what we brought to the study rather than what we drew out of the study. And when we have those kind of disagreements about what the scripture says, what it means to our lives, how we should apply it to our lives, it's always tempting to say, well, you know, you have your understanding and I have mine as though the Bible means whatever we want it to mean or it means something special and unique to each one of us. But like you said, it, it absolutely does not mean something special and unique to each one of us. The Bible itself rejects that. Uh, if we look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, Peter tells us no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And it's important to keep that in mind because our job when we're approaching the Bible for study is to ensure that the meaning and understanding we draw out of it is the meaning that God instilled into it, the meaning that he delivered to his inspired writers, the meaning that the first people who received that message understood it to be because it's the same meaning that it has for us. And I think one of the most effective ways that we can do that is by putting into place what I like to call some boundaries of Bible study. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I'm not talking about boundaries that are roadblocks or obstacles in our way, but it's more like guardrails or, or fences on the side of the path. They help us make sure that we're staying in a safe area. They help us make sure we're staying on the right road that we intend to, to be on. Uh, there are three boundaries of Bible study that I always like to keep in mind anytime I'm studying the Word to ensure that I'm, I'm giving myself the best opportunity to find that true meaning of the gospel. The first is uniqueness. And it's a very simple idea. It simply means you're not trying to find something in the scripture that no one else has seen before. You know, we're not the crew of the enterprise. We're not heading out into the undiscovered country. God's word has been revealed for many, many years, and it's intended to be understand, understood by anybody who seeks it truthfully and honestly. And so when we're in the Word and studying, we have to make sure that we're not 
delving into it with the idea of, well, I'm going to prove how clever I am by finding something that no one else has ever talked about before. Now, that doesn't mean that the truth doesn't seem unique and new the first time you hear it. It absolutely does. But you can't constantly try and refresh that new feeling every time you go into the Word. Mm. You're going to gain maturity, you're going to gain confidence in the Word, but it's not always going to be something new, heretofore, never understood. But that also doesn't mean that we gain the meaning of the Word through consensus. What it really means is we keep it in our minds that there is one meaning to God's Word, and if the meaning we've drawn out of it is absolutely unique to our understanding and no one else can see it that way, no one else can follow that, then it's a good indicator that we need to step back and rethink what we're, what we're uh, doing in that study. Right. I mean, we, we're dealing with a book that's been around for a very long time and a lot of very wise and, and uh, intelligent people have studied this book and if I come to a conclusion, or if I come to an understanding that no one has ever seen before, then it's probably wrong, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's, it's, I guess, a, a testimony to our pride sometimes that we want to find something unique that, that nobody's ever seen before. You know, it, it's, it's one of those situations that can particularly affect preachers and teachers right. trying to demonstrate, well, I need to do something, I need to say something that no one's ever heard before so that I can keep their attention. And that doesn't mean that you may not be the only person among your friends or, or family who understands that part of Scripture. You may very well be, but that can't be your intent going into the Scripture. Right. Uh, the second boundary that I always like to keep in mind is institutionalism. And I know that sounds like one of those you know, $5 words that academics carry around in their pocket to whip out and impress people. But it's really something very simple. It means we don't study in order to justify what we already believe. We don't go to the scripture in order to, to gain support for any institution, whether it be our country, our, our state, or even our congregation. Uh, it's very simple. When you're studying the word, if you ever find yourself saying, well, that can't be right because I believe this then that's the red flag that pops up in your mind. That's where the boundary should jump into your mind and, and make you step back and rethink your intent. Uh, we always need to keep in our mind that our beliefs need to be bound to our study. We don't bind our study to reflect what we already believe. Right, and it, it seems like a lot of times when we study the Bible or when we attempt to study the Bible, that's exactly what we're doing. We're going there looking for proof text to prove what we already think is true, where we need to try as much as possible to go into it saying, teach me, Lord, and what, what do you want me to understand? What do you want me to know? It's always going to be tempting to try and already understand what's there. Right. You know, so many of us who, who lack sig significant Bible study think that we know what's there. You know, we think things are there that aren't there, and we don't know things that aren't there. And so it's just good to keep that boundary in your mind to remember that, okay, what I already believe doesn't matter. Let me go to the Word and have God speak to me what He wants me to know. Right. The last boundary that I always like to keep in mind, and is probably one of the most important, is making sense. All scripture works together in a way that makes rational sense. Now I know this is going to be you know, the big red flag that the world always throws back at us. They want to tell us that the Bible doesn't make any sense. They want to tell us that it's irrational. They want to tell us it's just a mishmash of superstitions and goofy ideas and, and all manner of things. And they always want to tell us that the Bible contradicts itself on a regular basis. And the simple truth is that the Bible is perfectly in tune with itself. It is perfectly consistent. 
it has what I like to call the internal consistency of the scripture from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. And when we're studying the word, we need to make sure that whatever meaning or understanding that we try and pull out of it doesn't violate that internal consistency of the word. If something that we draw out of the New Testament doesn't jive with what's already been revealed in the Old Testament, we need to step back and make sure, okay, have I considered this in the light of the whole of Scripture? Because the Scripture works like you know, the oars in a boat. They work together to pull you in one direction, and that's toward God the Father through His Son, Jesus. Right, and I think people do have a uh, tendency to take one passage of Scripture and kind of build their whole theology uh, around that one passage. I mean, they may, John 3.16 is a popular verse, you know, a lot of people, and it has a lot of great meaning, but if your understanding of that passage doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture, you're not understanding that passage correctly, and, and I think that those are some great boundaries to, to keep in mind, and I want to look at, when we come back, I want to look at a passage or two of Scripture and get Sam's thoughts on how to read and understand the, that passage in light of some of the things that we've just discussed. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Crosstalk, which is brought to you by Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. Find out more about Baker Heights by visiting our website, bakerheights.org. Welcome back. We're talking with Sam Dominguez, one of the deacons at Baker Heights, about how all of us can become better Bible students. We, we've given the audience a lot to think about, I think, already, Sam. You've had some great thoughts about um, how to look at Scripture. In fact, you gave us three boundaries in the last segment uh, that can kind of help us to make sure we come to the right conclusions. Would you mind, let's, let's remind ourselves what those three are again one more time. Yeah, uh, first is uniqueness. Just remember that when you're going to the Scripture, you're not trying to find something that no one else has ever thought of before. Right. And that'll keep you uh, from reading too much into things that, that aren't there. Uh, second is institutionalism. Now, once again, it sounds like a big, hairy word, but all it really means is we don't study the Word to try and justify or prove something that we already believe, whether it be an organization or an institution that we're a part of or just any other uh, baggage that we bring with us. We go to the Word to find out what God wants us to know, and that alone, not colored by our own interpretation of that. And lastly, making sense. And that's probably, like I said, the most important one that we can keep in mind, because all the meaning that we draw out of Scripture has to be the original meaning that God wanted it to have, the meaning that He gave to the original writers. And all of the Scripture works together in a rational way. So if we're studying the Scripture and we come across something, well, I think it means this, and it doesn't jive, it doesn't make sense with anything else that we find in Scripture, that's a good red flag of warning to step back and rethink what you've come to in that conclusion because all of Scripture will make good rational sense in the light of the whole Bible. Right. I love what you said, that we're not trying to take a poll or a consensus and try to figure out, okay, what, is, what does everybody in the world think that this passage means, and then I'm just going to accept what everybody else thinks. But at the same time, we, it, it, has to, it has to make sense. It has to be consistent throughout the entire Scripture. You know, it, it amazes me, and I know it does most people. I know it's frustrating that people are, are examining religion and they're examining Christianity, and they look around. I mean, you look at Abilene, Texas, for instance, and there seems to be a church building on every corner, and if you were to go in there and ask them what they believe, well, they might make reference to the Bible, and they say, well, we believe the Bible, we believe in Jesus, and so there's some, some fundamental things that are the same, but there's a whole lot of differences, isn't there? And it's amazing how many 
people can look at one passage of scripture and come to three or four different conclusions. And I think if people were to apply those boundaries that you just helped us to, to think about and consider and put those things in place, man, we could come to the same conclusions, come to the, more importantly, the right conclusions. Because it's one thing if you and I both come to the same conclusions, but if it's the wrong conclusion, it's still wrong. And so we want to come to the right conclusion. So if you would, let's look at a passage of Scripture, and uh, maybe even one that's, that's commonly misunderstood, and, and look at why it's misunderstood and, and how to better understand it the right way. You know, uh, I think... Uh not to open in any huge theological can of worms that we don't have time to address right now, but there is a particular scripture that always sticks out in my mind that you see all over the place. You see it used everywhere, and that is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if you go to any Christian bookstore or even uh, some non-Christian bookstores, you'll probably find an entire section devoted to, to items that have this scripture printed on it. You go to any high school or college graduation, somebody's going to bring up this verse and use it as a motivational tool, use it as an encouragement to those people. And rightfully so. It is a very motivational scripture. It is an encouraging scripture. But where our misapplication and our misunderstanding of that scripture comes from is we almost always apply it in terms of our ambitions, in terms of encouraging us to reach for bigger and better things. That's why it's you know, usually used at graduations and commencements and different things like that. And we're always tying that, well, I can do all things with the strength of God because, uh, you know, and it's always for reaching for something more, reaching for something greater and bigger. But that's an example of that meaning, that understanding that we've pulled from it not making sense with the rest of Scripture. In fact, it doesn't even make sense with what Paul was talking about when he wrote that Scripture. You know, that's one of those times where you need to go back and read the entirety of what Paul is, is, has been saying uh, there in Philippians to understand the point that he's trying to make because he's just got done talking about how he was glad to receive support from those Christians, but that it wasn't necessary because he has learned to be content in all situations, whether with much or with little. And as we know with Paul, it was almost always with little to nothing. And he, he says later on in that same passage, I trust God because he will supply my every need. He will supply your every needs. He's actually encouraging them. And so it's not an affirmation of, I can do all things. It's an affirmation of, I can be content and I can trust God because He gives me that strength. It's not an encouragement of our ambition, but rather an encouragement of our submission to mm -hmm. God's will and to be able to trust in Him. And so that's still a very motivating thought. It's still a very encouraging thought. but. It's not at all what we tend to think that it means. Right. So we, and going back to what you said earlier, how, how a lot of us read the Bible instead of study the Bible, we're just passing through these, these chapters. Maybe we're doing a daily Bible reading or something, and we're really not paying a whole lot of attention to what we're reading and, you know, what is Paul going through? What's Paul talking to? The context, the historical context of what's going on in Paul's life right now. And we're just kind of reading, and then that passage pops off the page at us and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or through Him who gives me strength. And we take that and we want to make it mean I can earn a million dollars and I can have a mansion and I can, well, you know, you might be able to do those things, but taking that passage and making it mean that really is an abuse of the text, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, you don't want to give people the wrong impression that a simple misunderstanding like that is, is somehow, you know, demonstrates poor intent on their right, part. Right. It's a very simple mistake to make, but that's why we have to keep those boundaries of Bible study in our minds. It's why we need to constantly consider, okay, that's what I think that means. That was the emotional response I got from it, that sudden inspiration that popped off of the page at me. But does that actually jive? Does it make sense with what the writer was talking about right then? Does it make sense in relation to any other aspect of Scripture? And, you know, it's real easy to let our emotions lead us to think in that particular case, yeah, God wants me to achieve all manner of great things in my life. When what the Scripture really tells us is achievement or no, what's important is the next life. Right. And that you are right with God, that you are in a righteous and saved condition. And that's what Paul is trying to tell these people. He's trying to say you can be content even in times of suffering that those early Christians were having to go through. And as, as we know, Paul suffered a great many difficulties in his life. And so we're going to benefit significantly more by making sure we have the correct understanding of Scripture than just going with whatever feels good and whether, whatever jumps off the page to us. It's going to benefit us more in the long run and in eternity if we make sure we know the correct meaning that God intended for us to have. Right. And, and I think that we were so quick to jump to application. Um, somebody laid it out for me, you know, when I was young, that we have to observe, interpret, and apply. You know, we have to do observation, interpretation, and application. That we have to look at what the text says, ask what does it mean, and then ask how does it apply. But it seems like we are so quick to jump to applying it to our lives that we don't properly stop and say, okay, what what does this what does this say, and what did it mean in in its original uh, writing, and the people to whom it was written, the person by whom it was written, and so we we often uh, jump ahead to to a place where we're really making an application without understanding the right the right meaning and sometimes we make the wrong application and like you said in Philippians 4:13 it may not be a, a groundbreaking it may not be a deal breaking uh, misapplication but putting those things into practice in our life and and doing it right the first time certainly makes a big difference in the long run you know in that particular case i think people would be far more benefited in their lives if they understood that the strength of God sees them through hard times, sees them through difficulty, sees them through need and suffering. Because the truth is, we don't need a whole lot of help and encouragement in having ambitions for better things. And it will benefit us a whole lot more to have that correct understanding of God is there, He can meet my every need, He can supply my every need, as Paul says, and He can see me through difficulty. Right. That's going to benefit us more than having this quote-unquote harmless uh, misunderstanding. Right. So the better understanding of Philippians 13 would be more like, I can make it through all things because He gives me strength, rather than I can do whatever I want through Him that gives me strength. Let's, let's answer or think about this question for just a minute. As we said a little bit ago, the Bible is huge. I mean, it's 66 books all put together, uh, written over the span of 1,500 years, and all of these different authors. And, you know, sometimes I think we tell people, read the Bible, study the Bible, and they're not even sure where to open it up to first. And if they opened it up to a book like Leviticus or a book like Revelation, they might be overwhelmed. They might burn out really quick and say, well, I don't understand any of that. Where would be a good jumping off point? Where should people start if they want to start really taking the next step in their Bible study? 
You know, if you're if you're in a situation where you've never really done any serious Bible study, if, if you've never understood that Bible study was something you needed to be deliberately engaged in, then a good starting off point is with all of those tools that we talked about that were available to us. Uh, you know, the job of preachers and elders and deacons has always intended to be supplemental to our personal study. And so let it work that way. Right. Let it be a supplement to your study. Take those lessons that are presented in sermons. Take the lessons that are covered in Bible classes. Take those scriptures. Use that as an opportunity to say, well, you know, I don't even know what questions to ask of the scripture. I don't even know what I don't understand and what I want to understand better. So I'm going to start here. Right. And I'm going to make sure I understand what we were talking about in church this morning, what we were studying in Bible class this morning. You know, if you're not actively engaging in a daily or regular uh, Bible reading program, you need to get on that. You know, we don't use that as our sole source. We don't use sudden inspiration to guide us, but daily reading provides a foundation of familiarity with the Word that allows us to apply those boundaries of Bible study. Right, because then you, you know whether it makes sense in, yeah, in context. Yeah, you, you understand when something sticks out like a sore thumb because you say, wait a minute, I've read about something like this before. And it gives you that solid foundation so that you can understand better uh, how to apply God's Word in your life. And in the end, as you, as you take these jumping off points, you can start to grow in your knowledge of the Scripture. You can start to grow spiritually. And then you can try and form your Bible study to meet more particular needs that you have. You'll start to ask questions. You'll start to consider things in your life in the light of God's Word and say, well, what does the Bible have to say about this? And what does God tell me about this aspect of my life? And so you can start off by what the church and by what ministers and teachers give to you and then build from that on so that you can have a really consistent and solid Bible study in your life. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is so important. And, and Sam, you've given us such great things to think about. I think this is so valuable to people that if people would just honestly look at the Word of God, and, and, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that because two people came to different conclusions that they, somebody had the improper motives, but sometimes that happens. But if we would learn to study it right, it would be so valuable. We'll be right back with one final thought. Crosstalk is brought to you each week by Baker Heights Church of Christ, located at 5382 Texas Avenue in Abilene, Texas. We meet every Sunday morning for Bible study at 9 and worship at 10 and every Sunday evening at 6. We also meet on Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're in the Abilene area, we would love for you to come worship with us. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Crosstalk. Now, here's a final thought from Wes. I want to thank Sam Dominguez again for being on the show today. Friends, God does not want you to be confused or overwhelmed with His Word. He made it so that you can read it, study it, understand it, and apply it to your life. Sure, it takes some work, but what worthwhile pursuit doesn't take some work? One of our greatest passions at Baker Heights is studying and helping other people to study the Word of God. Although there are many knowledgeable Christians at Baker Heights, there's not a single one of us who knows everything. We're all just trying to learn and understand the Bible more fully. If you'd like to join us in that pursuit, may I suggest that you come to Baker Heights this evening at seven o'clock for Bible study. On Wednesday nights, we have classes for adults and for kids of every age. It would be a great way for you to take your Bible study to the next level. We would love for you to join us. Also, if you have a question about something you've heard on the show, please send us an email at questions at bakerheights.org. 
We may even include your question on a future episode so others can benefit from the answer as well. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about Crosstalk. We love you. God loves you. Have a wonderful day.